that is promised, that we will understand your word as we look at this uh, issue of the sacrament, so that truly we will know how to partake of it in the right manner and what it meant for us to remember the death of Jesus Christ. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, now when I first uh, became a Christian, I actually was converted when I was at university. So I attended the university church. And uh, what that meant was that we would have our big uh, services on Friday night at a lecture theatre. And uh, on Sundays we would meet in these small university lecture rooms uh, for our Bible study. So for the first few years of my Christian life, uh, I really didn't uh, have much uh, in terms of uh, taking the Lord's Supper or having, uh, remembering the sacrament. Probably I would just uh, have uh, the Lord's Supper maybe uh, three, four times a year at the most, I think. So anyway, uh, later on, I uh, went to another church with a proper church building with proper Sunday services and uh, we used to have communion once a month. And then I remember when I went to work, someone challenged me and said, oh, you know, uh, um, when I go to church, we have communion every Sunday. Uh, what is wrong with you people? How come you all are neglecting the, your, you know, the, the communion? You're only having it once a month. And recently, uh, on the telephone, uh, someone was telling me how at another church, uh, this church member was telling them that actually they were encouraged uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper every day. And uh, so there's a lot of confusion, I think, in terms of how often should we have uh, the Lord's Supper? What is baptism? What is the sacrament? Uh, should we be having the Lord's Supper once a month? Uh, should we be having it every week? Should we be having it every day? Or should we be having it four times a year? So, I think that today, basically, uh, <clears throat> based on the suggestion sheet that I sent out last year, this is one of the issues that people wanted to find out about. What are the sacraments and what are we supposed to understand of it from the Bible? Now, the sacrament, uh, basically, if you look up here on the slide, for us as, uh, as evangelical Bible-believing Christians, believe that there are only really two sacraments. There is the Lord's Supper and there is baptism. Now, the Baptists believe, sorry, not the Baptists, that the Catholics believe that there are seven, but we won't, I, don't, I was thinking about whether I should get into that, but I don't think so, because uh, basically, we believe that we only celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism because the Bible tells us to. Okay, so in other parts of the Bible, uh, we see Jesus washing people, his disciples' feet. We see other things happening, but we're not instructed to, as Christians, to, 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 to keep doing that over and over again. We can do it, there's probably value in it, but it's not something which we're instructed to do. So, therefore, I'm not going to look at it today. So, those are the two things that I understand sacraments to be, the Lord's Supper and Baptism. Now, it's interesting, because if you look at the word sacrament, if you go through the whole Bible, you will not find this word, sacrament. Okay, you will not find this word sacrament. And the word sacrament is actually from a Latin word called sacramentum. And literally it means a, a sacred sign or a sacred thing. And I think that that's a, a very important word for us because if we, if we start off with the understanding that the sacrament is a sacred sign, then I think it puts us along the right track straight away. Because if you go to the zoo, okay, if you go to the zoo, Okay, I'll be using also illustrations today. If you go to the zoo, right, and uh, you want, you see a sign with a picture of a lion or a tiger, right, that, 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 that sign is not the real lion or the real tiger. It's just pointing to you, you to the real tiger, the real lion. Okay, so I think that's what the intended meaning of the sacrament is. It is a sign. It is a sign, but it's not just a sign pointing us to ordinary things like 
you know, animals in the zoo, but it's a sign pointing us to something spiritual, to something sacred. It's a sign pointing us to something about God. So visually, we can see a spiritual truth. So why do we need these signs? Why did God give us these sacraments to practice uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper? Well, uh, if you look up here, okay, on this slide, it's a bit small, but don't worry, it gets bigger after a while. All right? You can see that uh, in the passage that we read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and also in Luke chapter 22, uh, twice in the Bible, it, uh, Jesus says, right, it's recorded saying to us, that we must do this in remembrance of Jesus and what he does on the cross. So the bread that is eaten, the wine that is drunk, is to remember the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Because it is actually taking everyday items and, and using it as a sign to remember spiritually what Jesus has done. Because the bread that we eat is bread that we normally have. Uh, I mean, if you go down the road to uh, Yakun, right, you will have kaya toast with, uh, you know, with your bread on it. You, know, you have chicken curry with bread on it. Maybe for breakfast, some of you eat normal bread with peanut butter and ribena, just as what we're having in front of us today. But that does not make it the Lord's Supper, you see, because unless you use those elements, the bread and the ribena, to point specifically, deliberately, in a sacramental way, to a sacred thing that Jesus did on the cross, then it is, no, it is not a sacrament. It's just ordinary, right? So the elements are ordinary, but they are used in such a way as to point clearly and deliberately and sacramentally to what Jesus did in a spiritual way on the cross. So what is a sacrament? Well, I think the first thing I want you to remember, as you can see in the outline, is a sacrament is a sacred sign. Okay? It's a something that points to a real spiritual reality. Uh, either the death of Jesus on the cross or new birth of us as Christians. Therefore, the second thing, okay, today's uh, sermon is very sort of systematic, logical, hopefully, hopefully logical. Okay, the second thing is, therefore, because the sacrament is a sign, the elements of the sacrament don't really matter as much. So, uh, the elements technically is, you know, the bread, the ribena. Because, you know, sometimes people come and say, oh, you know, why do you all use ribena? Because didn't use Jesus, didn't Jesus use wine? Why are you not using wine? Why do you use ribena? And why do you use this cheap bread, right? Why didn't you use better bread? Why didn't you use the bread that Jesus was using then? You know, like the, more like the naan sort of bread. Why, why do you use this bread which is obviously different? Now again, coming back to the, the zoo illustration, right? It's like the sign pointing to the tiger in the zoo is made of gold and encrusted with diamonds. Or whether the sign is made of wood and it's just sort of painted on, it doesn't really matter, isn't it? Because the quality of the sign doesn't detract from the reality of the tiger. All the sign does is points back to the reality. That's, that's what the sign does. So whether you eat... Uh, you know, very expensive bread or normal bread or whether you drink Ribena or very expensive port or wine doesn't detract from what the sign is actually pointing to which is Jesus on the cross and his death and substitution for us. So I'm not sure whether you remember uh, about a month or two ago do you remember how uh, at uh, the, the one of the mission Sundays we watched this missions video about uh, these believers in India and remember how they were all crowded in this room and they were ha celebrating the Lord's Supper? And what they did was they, they just had this big piece of 
bread, sort of naan chapati sort of bread, and they were just breaking it and eating it, right? And then when they drank the the the, the red coloured fluid, it just looked like this raw syrup thing which they put into their hands and they used their hands to drink. Now, it didn't matter whether they used that raw syrup drink or whether they we used Ribena, whether they used that sort of naan bread or whether we used gardenia bread, because the sign still points to the same thing. See, they are, they, are, they are remembering the death of Jesus on the cross with their elements, and we are remembering the death of Jesus with our elements. But the elements are irrelevant. It is what is the reality that is being remembered is important. So the same thing about baptism, right? So think about baptism for a moment. I know that people have a lot of conflict over you know, whether we should sprinkle people or whether they should be completely immersed. Now for myself, uh, when I was baptized, I was baptized in the swimming pool by complete immersion. And uh, in, bapti- in Presbyterian churches, we baptize people just by putting a little bit of water on them. But does the type of immersion matter? Does the type of water being used matter? Does the amount of water being used matter? See, not really, right? Because it is what the sign represents that is important. It's a sign of new birth into Jesus Christ. A a sign of rising to new life. That's what really counts. Because every day, I hope every day, we all have a shower, right? I hope so, right? Every day, once in a while, we go for a swim. But, But there's no spiritual reality to which your swim or shower is pointing to. But it's only when the, wa- the water is used in a sacramental way to point to a spiritual reality that then there is meaning to the water where there's a sign of a spiritual reality. Now, it's very, very important that you realize that the elements are irrelevant to the reality because some churches and some people say that it's very, very important, the elements. So, uh, the Catholic Church will say that uh, when the minister or the priest conducts the rite of communion, at some point in time, the, the wafers or the bread and the wine actually bodily become the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, I was talking to a Presbyterian Christian um, a few years ago and he was saying, you know, at your church, you shouldn't use this uh, gardenia bread because, you know, you don't want people chewing on the body of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, I think that shows a wrong understanding of the sacrament, isn't it? Because Jesus didn't say to recreate his death on the cross. He said we're supposed to do this as a remembrance of his death on the cross. Because Jesus has died once for all, 2,000 years ago, and when we eat the bread, drink the, the ribena, we remember that death once for all. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, uh, see I told you it's bigger, right? Verse 18, it says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. It doesn't say that Jesus dies over and over again every Sunday. It doesn't mean that Jesus brings you forgiveness over and over again every Sunday. He died once for all 2,000 years ago. And when we eat the bread, when we drink the wine, it is a sign, a remembrance for us, pointing us back to that once and for all death on the cross. Because the danger is, if you think that at some point the bread and the ribena become the body and blood of Jesus, what happens? Then instead of looking back to the cross, you start looking at the sacrament. 
The sacrament no longer becomes a sign, but the sacrament becomes the reality. And you put your faith, instead of what Jesus did on the cross, you put your faith on the sacrament. So I remember when I went on a, a tour of Portugal and Spain about three or four years ago, we went to this church in, uh, I, th- I think there were in various times, both Portugal and Spain. And uh, you go to uh, some churches, really nice churches, and you find that there is this glass case uh, actually, it's a gold thing, and then there's this glass enclosure thing on it, and inside is the the wafer, and 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 that wafer actually represents the body of Jesus Christ. And my worry is that when you see that wafer, you think, well, that's Jesus in there in that wafer, that's the body of Jesus, and you start worshiping it. And I know that uh, my Anglican colleagues in Australia, my ex-classmates, they're specifically told that when they finish the Lord's Supper. They have to eat all the bread and drink all the wine, or at least dispose of it. Because the danger is that people really think superstitiously that that bread and that wine is really the body and blood of Jesus and they might worship it. So that's why some of my, my ex-classmates sometimes get a bit drunk after, after service, right? Okay, so the elements, the second point I want to make is the, second, the, the elements of the sacrament do not matter. Right, it doesn't matter whether it's expensive or poor. Right, it doesn't matter whether it's one sort of bread or another sort of bread. It doesn't matter whether it's rose syrup, ribena or wine. It is what the signs are pointing to, which is important. The third thing is that the sacrament has no power of its own. So the bread, the ribena, eating it, doesn't give you any power of its own. You only need one thing to be saved, and that is faith in Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says so very clearly, uh, if you see in John 3.16, which is up here, next slide, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. And we know this to be true because in Luke chapter 23, which we read uh, recently, next slide, the thief on the cross puts his faith on Jesus. He says to Jesus in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Here you have a person who is saved by faith, who is not baptized and doesn't receive the Lord's Supper. So you are saved not because of the sacrament, Lord's Supper or baptism, you are saved because of faith. Therefore, the sacrament itself has no power. You are saved because of the faith that you already have. Now, this is really, really important because some people do seem to have the wrong idea that the sacrament, (coughs) especially the Lord's Supper itself, has power in itself. So, um, one of my relatives, um, their their children, they're Catholics, they go to this Catholic church and I think they get christened, right, or something. So, our family was invited to go. And I, and I noticed this really strange phenomena because uh, as the communion is given, uh, people will go to the front and they will receive the wafer from the priest. Uh, it's quite interesting because if you go to a Catholic church, you, you'll notice that the, the, the members never receive the, the, the wine. They only receive the wafer. Anyway, they receive the wafer and as soon as they receive the wafer, they stand up and instead of walking back to their seats, people just kept going out the door. So that the, the church was sort of getting emptier and emptier 
after people ate the communion. So I asked my, uh, my friend, I said, what's happening here? They said, oh, well, you know, they've, they've received the communion and that's the main part of the service and now they're going home to avoid the traffic jam. <laughs> now, if you, if you think like that, then, then what exactly is the communion? You see, for them, the communion is like a top-up of forgiveness. So it's a bit like, uh, you know, your, 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 your mobile phone, right? See, I have a Nokia E72. Very good phone, because you know why? It takes three days before you need to charge it again. But for poor people like you, you know, you need to charge your phone every day if you have a smartphone. And some people see that the communion is like that. You know, I, 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 uh, I need to take communion every week because I need to top up on my forgiveness. I've done all these bad things and I feel really bad for myself. I need to come to church. And when I take the communion, I feel better because I've been forgiven. I can go another week. And then the next week comes, I go take communion again, I top up my forgiveness. And the process keeps going on week after week. But the reality is that, as we see from God's Word, you were always forgiven. Right? You were always right from God the moment you accepted Jesus' death. There is no top-up. Uh, there is no top-up of your forgiveness. There is no requirement to be topped up for your forgiveness because Jesus' death was effective for all the sins you did in the past, all the sins you're doing today, and all the sins you're going to do in the future. Because the communion or the Lord's Supper just points you back to that event 2,000 years ago so that you'll put your faith on the cross. So there is no top-up value in the Lord's Supper in itself. There is no power in itself. It is just a sign pointing you back to Jesus and how you're forgiven all the time. Now recently, uh, another, another church member visited uh, someone else at a New Creation Church. And a New Creation, apparently, I'm not sure whether this is what they actually preach in the church, but this church member was saying that actually some of the people who go to New Creation believe that now uh, you should have the, the Lord's Supper, the communion, every day by yourself. And the reason why you should have the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, every day is because the more times... You, you, you have the Lord's Supper or the Holy Communion, the more blessed you'll be. Every time you have the Holy Communion, the more you receive God's favor. Now again, if the sacrament is just a remembrance, a sign pointing back to Jesus, then that cannot be true. You, because we already know uh, from the Bible that we've received every blessing. We have received everything when we became a Christian and we went to the cross. We will receive every benefit. There is no top-up value in forgiveness, neither is there a top-up value in blessings or God's favour, just because you ate the Lord's Supper every day. So therefore, that's the third point. There is no top-up value in terms of the, the sacrament. There is no impact in itself. There is no reality in itself. It's just a sign pointing back to Jesus. Now the fourth point is, the sacrament is only effective for those who have faith. Right? The sacrament is only effective for those who have faith. Because there is no value in the sacrament by itself, it is only value for those who believe and who participate in what the sign points to. See, when you drink the Ribena, when you eat the bread, what is it exactly you're doing? What is it you're exactly you're doing? When you think about it, are you just eating a piece of bread 
Are you just drinking Ribena? No, right? Because you're actually participating or actively putting your trust in what Jesus did. Therefore, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So what it means is that when we eat the bread, when we drink the Ribena, we are actually participating in what Jesus did on the cross for us. We are spiritually feeding on Jesus. We're spiritually drinking His blood. We're spiritually eating His body. I know that sounds like a very gruesome picture, but we're talking about spiritually. We're actually participating and saying we want the benefits of what Jesus did for us when He died for us sacrificially on the cross. So therefore, what is the meaning of the sacrament? Well, we already said uh, that the sacrament does not give us forgiveness by itself. There's no top-up value to it, right? Okay? What the sacrament does is that it, it strengthens and increases and sustains our faith. See, that's the value of the sacrament. Whenever we eat the bread, we drink the wine, we drink the ribena, we are actually participating in the death of Jesus and we are, we are recommitting ourselves to Jesus and the cross and the benefits that it brings. It's a bit like marriage, right? See, think about it. Uh, I've already been married for uh, 21 years. Okay? Uh, I got married in 1992. So imagine if I repeated my marriage ceremony again every month. Does it make me more married? It can't make me more married, right? Because I'm already married. Now, what is the benefit of doing that? If I, you know, some people have this marriage renewal thing. What is the benefit of it? Well, the benefit would be that I would remember what it means to be married. Uh, in sickness and in health. To keep loving my wife for richer, for poorer. Uh, if I keep hearing a sermon about marriage every month, I'll remember how I was supposed to behave as a husband. So in that sense, it doesn't make me more married, but it sustains me and strengthens me in terms of my marriage. I think in the same way as we come and uh, we celebrate Lord's Supper, we are participating over and over again in terms of what Jesus did for us at the cross. And by doing so, we remind ourselves, we remember and participate in what Jesus did and we are confirmed, isn't it, in our confidence in what Jesus did for us. That He died for us. He gave His blood and His body for us. That's the fourth point. The fifth point is that sacraments are dangerous if they are received in an ungodly way. Now, obviously, the bread is just normal bread. Ribena is just normal Ribena. So some people think, you know, I just come, and I just drink it, eat the bread. But the Bible actually says that uh, when we eat the bread and the Ribena in an ungodly and an unfaithful, in a wicked way, in an unworthy way, we are actually bringing judgment on ourselves. Because we are coming before God and actually instead of coming before God in the right way, we are actually coming in the wrong way and we will face judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, right? look what it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now the context was that the Corinthian Christians were not acting in love and faith towards one another when they were coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, They were being selfish. So the richer people were not helping the poorer and not sharing with the poorer their food. They were being unloving because the rich people bring all the expensive caviar and uh, lobster and whatever and eat in front of the poor and wouldn't share with them. And they were being wicked because they were getting drunk uh, before they participated in the Lord's Supper. And Paul the Apostle said, look, by eating the Lord's Supper in this way, being drunk, selfish, wicked, unloving, you're actually bringing judgment on yourself. Because even though it is just a sign, you are in a way spiritually coming before God and Jesus and you shouldn't take this lightly. Because if you, imagine yourself, right, if, you, if we eat the bread and we drink the Ribena, that we're actually coming before God. If we are coming to the cross, we are uniting ourselves with Jesus Christ and participating in what he did there. And that was a real thing that was happening. Then how should we behave? Well, if we were really doing that, we would come before God and Jesus in faith, in trust and obedience and thankfulness with a penitent heart. So if you eat the bread, drink the Ribena, but in your heart you're full of wickedness and hypocrisy and rebellion and sin, then you're actually coming before God and Jesus in an unworthy manner. So even though it is a symbolic, a spiritual thing, but yet, you're actually mocking God, isn't it? Because you're coming before God, you're participating in the benefits of the cross, but yet you're coming in an unworthy manner. So therefore, when we partake of the sacrament, especially the Lord's Supper, we must have a time of reflection and inward meditation ourselves, isn't it? Ask ourselves, am I in the right state to participate in the body of Jesus Christ and His body given for me? I remember I was uh, invited to go to a church once, many years ago, uh, to, uh, to preach. And um, I think about a week before I went to preach, the pastor said, Oh, by the way, you have to conduct the communion on Sunday. And um, so I said, Okay, no problem. I'll just do it the usual way I do it here. Anyway, so I did it. And it's a really big church. And I noticed there in front of me, was this man. And he had been there from the beginning of the service, and I don't know what his problem was, but he seemed to be very angry and frustrated. So, you know, he came in, he stomped in, he sat there, uh, he was uh, a bit disruptive, I don't know what was wrong with him. And when we were, after the sermon, when I did the Lord's Supper, he took the bread, and instead of waiting for the explanation, doing all the stuff, he just sort of popped it in his mouth and sat down. And then again, when the bread, the wine was being served, because they had wine there, same thing happened, he didn't want to wait for anybody, he didn't want to wait for the explanation. didn't want to wait for everybody. He just sort of drank the wine and sat down again. Now, I sort of wonder if, if he was in the right state uh, before God to actually participate in the Lord's Supper. Was he really right in his, in his spiritual condition before God to participate in the Lord's Supper? Because he came to, before God in a way which I felt was rude. Not to me, but to God. He, he came before God in a way which was disrespectful. In a way that really didn't reverence uh, 
the death of Jesus on the cross. And I feel that the only benefit of him doing it that day uh, was not just the accumulation of a few calories and some wine, but would actually be negative for him, isn't it? It was actually bring judgment upon himself because he came to God in an unworthy manner. The last point is that I think that some people ask, you know, if the sacrament is so important, and the sacrament is a sign, why don't we do it more often, right? Well, I think that biblically speaking, the sacrament has real value. It strengthens our faith, it points us back to Jesus, it sustains us in our Christian walk. But the Bible seems to say that the, the preaching of God's word is more important than the, 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 the sacrament. So if you actually look at the Bible, uh, the Bible, uh, in all the books which deal with uh, you know, congregational life, it, it never says, oh, okay, let's do more sacrament. It always says, let's keep preaching God's word. Right? It doesn't mean that we neglect the sacrament, but the emphasis seems to be the preaching on God's word. So especially in the pastoral epistles, I mean, uh, Timothy and Thessalonians, so if you look up here, and Titus, so it says that, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, uh, Paul tells Timothy in the running of the church, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and a view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, right, it says they devoted themselves, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, in Acts chapter 2, there is some uh, dispute whether the breaking of bread literally means the Lord's Supper, or maybe they were eating as well as having the Lord's Supper, or maybe they were just eating. But I think that you can see the emphasis, isn't it? Uh, the first thing they devoted themselves was to the teaching. I don't think it's there by accident. And I think the Word of God is more important than sacraments because Word can do things that sacrament cannot do. Because if I preach the Word, if the Word is preached, then people can come to faith. People can be strengthened in faith and they can be saved. But biblically speaking, the sacrament cannot preach the cross by itself. It cannot bring salvation. You need the Word to be preached to understand the sacrament in its fullness. right? So in the Westminster Confession, it says that the Word can only the word can bring about faith and strengthen faith, but the sacrament can only strengthen the faith that is already there. So think about it for a moment, right? So if you go to the zoo again, okay, if you go to the zoo again, and you see a picture of a lion or a tiger, no words, no explanation, it, is, it will only make sense to you if you've seen the lion or tiger before and you can relate it back to the picture, isn't it? If you just see the picture with no explanation and you've never seen a lion or a tiger, you think oh, that's a really interesting animal, but you will never know what it is. You need to have seen the lion or the tiger to understand what the sign means. In the same way, if you go to a wedding ceremony and uh, for some reason you become deaf for the day and you see all these things happening and you see these people standing in front of the pastor and you're exchanging rings, it's meaningless. There's no words to understand what's happening. If you go to a baptism, if you go to the Lord's Supper and there's no explanation and you just drink the bread, you drink the Ribena, you see someone having a momentarily uh, swim underwater, it's meaningless. 
You see, without the words, you can never understand the fullness of what's actually happening. So if you just have the sacrament over and over and over again, without words, it is meaningless. The words actually bring meaning to the sacrament. So that's why the preaching of God's Word, as told to us by God Himself in His Word, is always to take precedent over the sacrament. Now, my, uh, in conclusion anyway, my aunt in Saramban, um, she only doesn't speak English, and uh, she only speaks uh, Cantonese, so I have a hard time communicating with her, or I had a hard time communicating to her. Every Sunday, she would go to church. But she could only go in the afternoon because I think, uh, I can't remember, either one of my, my, my father-in-law or my brothers were only free then to bring her to church. But every Sunday she had to go to church. And the, she went to church every Sunday afternoon. But the only problem was the church service was in Tamil. And she speaks Cantonese. right? But week after week, she would go year after year and she would be very upset if she didn't go to the church service. So she would sit in the whole church service not understanding what's happening. She would take the communion and then she would come home. Now later on, she, uh, she became sick. She had cancer. And uh, we explained to her that actually she didn't need to take this communion all the time isn't it? because her understanding of the sacrament was wrong. See, the sacrament itself had no power even though she thought that she needed to take it every week. The sacrament was just a sign pointing to Jesus, the reality where true forgiveness could be received. The elements were unimportant, right? The elements didn't become the blood and body of Jesus. They were just always going to be wafers. And the sacrament itself couldn't bring faith or couldn't save my aunt, but it was her faith in Jesus. So I, I remember, I, I didn't explain to her, but my, my wife did. We explained to her that all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. So let's really remember what the sacrament is. It is a sign pointing back to Jesus. There is value in the sign because it strengthens our faith. It sustains our faith. It, it, it reminds us of what we participate in, of what Jesus did, and the benefits we receive in the cross. But at the same time, let's not, let's not see that the sign itself has power in itself, but it's Jesus Christ. At the same time, let's be careful that we listen to God's word seriously and as we come to participate in the sign, that we do so in a way that is right and worthy, humble and penitent, a way that is faithful and not wicked and unloving. Because even though it is a sign, but yet there is a spiritual reality to it. And if we come before God in an unworthy way, then instead of receiving the benefits, instead of participating in what Jesus has done for us and deriving good things from it, we will only bring judgment upon ourselves. So with this right understanding, then let us really understand that when we eat the bread, when we drink the wine, what really happened at the cross and what benefits we have and let us examine ourselves. Really examine ourselves to see that we are coming before God week, month after month when we do it in the right way before Him. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to pray 
and thank you for how you've given us the baptism, you've given us the Lord's Supper, and how in your knowledge of us, it really sustains us and shows us in a physical way the spiritual reality. That these are signs pointing to us of what has truly been achieved. That as a person is baptized, he is washed, she is washed, and rises to new life with the promise of the Holy Spirit, with the guarantee of eternal life in heaven. And how as a person eats the bread and drinks the Ribena, truly that person participates in all the benefits of Jesus' death on the cross. That they are forgiven, that they are part of your family, that they have all their sins taken from them and put on the body of Jesus on the cross. We pray for ourselves that we will not take the sacrament in an unworthy manner, in a hypocritical manner, where we come before you wrongly, faithlessly, wickedly in rebellion, but rather that we come before you and participate in the death of Jesus in a manner which is humble, dependent, a manner which is faithful, a manner which is right before you. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.